you know, I think a lot of the big fucking problems we have, uh, the result of men that are disconnected, dysfunctional, and, you know, stuck in a kind of an immature and, and adolescent mode of being. And I think if we can, if we can do a lot of work at the individual level and then, you know, expanding into the collective level, we can really make some change. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow, and this podcast focuses on three main pillars, human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers, radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here, and today's guest is so much fun. We're talking to Mike Campbell, and I've been following Mike online for years. I was so excited to get to connect with him to do this interview, and Mike is a men's coach. He's an author. He's an avid stone fruit eater, and he supports everyday men in getting more from the everyday and getting their shit together, those are his words, (laughs) within themselves, in their relationships, and in their world. And ultimately, he helps to get men past what gets them stuck from what they think they need to be to who they could be. He also helps women to understand the men in their lives better and to create a perspective that helps them relate and connect with those men much more powerfully. And we get into a lot in this episode. We're talking about the difference between nice guys and good men. That's a really, really important distinction, and it was really cool to get his perspective on that. I love Mike's work around that. He talks to us about redefining masculinity, the invisible covert contracts that can be taking place in our relationships, and the question that every woman has probably asked at one point or another, which is, how do you get a man to change? We're going to be talking about all of that and so much more in this episode. So buckle up and let's do this. Mike, I'm so excited to have you on. I've been following your work for years. I just adore you. I think that you're awesome. So thank you for coming on. I'm just so appreciative. <laughs> oh, thank you for that and happy to be here. <laughs> so for anyone who is not yet familiar with their work, uh, they need to all go follow you. But in the meantime, <laughs> and tell us a little bit about you and the work that you do and what it is that uh, that you do in the world. What, what's what's the the purpose that drives you, the sense of purpose that drives you? Yeah. So, okay. What do I do in the world? Well, yeah. In, in terms of work, you know, primarily I'm a men's coach and I suppose I often get um, the the question along the lines of like, what is that? What do you actually do? You know, um, anywhere from man, such a variety of things, you know, like something to do with a pickup artist or helping men specifically who didn't have fathers. You know, it's funny to see what story is created in someone's mind when they see a couple of words, right? Which is, you know, essentially what we do as humans. And and fundamentally, Emily, what I say is, you know, I help everyday men get more from the everyday. And often that looks like starting with getting their shit together um, so they can actually, you know, get what they want in their life and their relationships. Uh, So, yeah, what drives me from a sense of purpose is, you know, there's kind of, I think there's a lot, potentially, 
a lot in it. And, and fundamentally, it's pretty simple for me. And that is like supporting men and moving past like whatever has them stuck in this kind of idea of who they think they need to be and actually stepping into what's possible for them. And I see that the work is so important from, from an individual level with, with one guy. And then, you know, when we expand that out on a collective, because like when you have a look at the state of the world to go global, specifically to go global, you know, I think a lot of the big fucking problems we have, uh, the result of men that are disconnected, dysfunctional, and, you know, stuck in a kind of an immature and, and adolescent mode of being. And I think if we can, if we can do a lot of work again at the individual level and then, you know, expanding into the collective level, shit, we can, we can really make some change. So, you know, the work that drives me is very much, I love working with, you know, one dude and seeing the shift to him, but also because my bigger picture is what that then creates in his world and, and so on. That ripple effect is just so powerful. And, and a lot of times, mm. you know, the, the work that, that we do, or even just somebody walking down the street and giving somebody a compliment, you've no idea the, the effect that that can have and, and how that can ripple out into the world. I feel like it's mm. just such a powerful reminder for all of us to sort of go forth with that in, in everything that, that we do. But you said so many great things there, Mike. One of the things that I, I kind of want to bring it back to is sort of this idea of, of um, like getting men past what gets them stuck from sort of what mm -hmm. they think they need to be and who they sort of, who they could become, like who, who they could be, where, mm. like, what are sort of those differences? So who, what do you feel like men feel like they need to be? What does that sort of consist of? And then how do they get past those things that are blocking them? Because societally we have, as, as you would be fully aware, we have so many things that we we put onto men and there's a lot of stigmas and stuff just as there are for, for, you know, a lot of things, but I do feel like mm. it's, it's really mm. heavy for, for men. And there's a lot of beliefs that are sort of projected onto men in a huge way. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we, we live in, it's a strange time. There's no denying that uh, unprecedented. And that was a word that was overused in 2020, <laughs> wasn't it? But it's, it's a time where there's a lot of confusion, I think, and, and, and frustration and, and there's a lot of challenge and there's a lot of issues and problems and all that kind of stuff. And there's things that are now, you know, come, come to the surface and that are, you know, different ways of being and languaging and all that kind of stuff. And, and obviously when you look at um, the world of equality, you know, like, quote unquote, men have had it so good for so long with that kind of stuff. But that stuff is a really, you know, as humans, we like to simplify things, right? And so we often throw, I think, a, a pretty ineffective blanket over a lot of simplification. And again, as I said before, if I think if you look at a lot of the shit that's going on um, in many different aspects of, of life, often at the root of it, we see men who, you know, like to call it what it is, is still stuck in a really immature way of being. Why? Right? Because it would be really easy just to blame those dudes. But the work really is to explore and understand well, what, why is it the case? Like why as men are we stuck in this kind of place? And like, there's always lots to it, right? Of course, you know, specific culture and, and, and community and environment and so on will, will impact on it. But I think, again, a, a, a broad look at it is, well, in large part, we've kind of created this idea and this ideal that men need to be superheroes. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time now, you know, like really shaming that, like, don't. And so it's, there's this confusion, right? Like, be all capable, be impenetrable, you know, be so strong and so um, immune to, to any kind of, you know, weakness or anything in life that, that will bring you down, brush it off. And, you know, that creates this impossible ideal, you know, that um, 
as as boys and, and young men and continuing, you know, as men, especially if we haven't understood this and grown past it, we create this identity of who we think we need to be, the super strong, you know, ever capable uh, man. And essentially, and in, in part of that is like, you can't be human, right? You, you can't have flaws and, and foibles and, and weaknesses and, you know, even feel emotions is something that's so outrageously ludicrous. So I think that is something that becomes very, very heavy, you know, and, and it's the idea like, you know, if you've got uh, only one tool, a hammer, you walk through life looking for nails. And, and that is what is the case for a lot of men. We get taught, you know, to be a hammer. And so everything we're just trying to smash with a, a smash a nail with a hammer. And then, hey, what the fuck are you doing that for? It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. what? Because the, this is not only what I've learned that I need to be, but also if I'm not, there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not man enough. And so that's a really challenging gray area for most men who like when I think we boil it down, want to find our way in the world, want to be okay, you know, want to have a happy life, right? And feel that we belong and we are okay and we are enough. But there's a lot of shit in the way of that. Um, and so we put on masks and we fight for some sense of power and security. And often that looks really messy, either internally or externally in the world. You know, and so I think it's, it's again, it's complicated, but it can look somewhat simple when how you're living your life is based primarily on some idea that you've taken on board individually or that might be quite common around you of who you think you're supposed to be. And so by default, you're always fighting against who you really are. And those things might be quite close together, but they might be really far apart. You know, in my own podcast last week, I interviewed someone who um, at the age of 42 came out as gay, first of all, as bisexual and then as gay, but more so the, the, the precursor to that was coming out as lonely. You know, and he realized that there was such a big gap in who he'd been living as that he'd become so lonely because fundamentally he'd become so disconnected from himself. You know, and so that, that, that's quite a, a wide one. But for, for a lot of men, it's, it's quite close, but it's very fucking distinct and very important. And I really think that loneliness is an underlying factor for, for so many people, especially, you know, throughout the pandemic and, and all of this, but particularly mm. for men, because men do not have the same level of social support that, mm. that women do because it's not considered as uh, manly, <laughs> let's mm. just, you know, societally call it mm. what it is it, to have guy friends that you talk about anything other than sports with. Like, it's just, you keep a very base level and you don't really go any deeper than that. You can hang out with a bunch of, like, I've, I've had men say that they, mm. they can hang out with guys all the time. And then they have these moments where they realize that they don't actually really know them. They're like, I know mm. what team they root for, or like, mm. I know how many kids they have, but I don't actually really know them. And I've been hanging out with these guys for years. And I think that's probably yeah. really common. Yeah, I know the surface and safe. And that's really the, the primary word at the base yes. of all this um, details. And, you know, of course, the flip of that is when I don't really know them or him, I'm not really known. And, you know, that sits at the center of loneliness and so much of our shit. You know, as fu humans, fundamentally, we want to be known. We want to be seen. We want to feel like we belong. But when we're so terrified of not 
belonging of not being you know approvable uh, that we hide there was always a disconnect right there's a big moat running around uh, in between the island that we put ourselves on and men are great at putting ourselves on an island that you know of isolation again part of the messaging being if there's anything going wrong you need to have the answers and be able to fix it yourself and of course no one is born with the answers to everything in life right so it's such a wildly unrealistic expectation and that's what we often you know run around living and it's so challenging, but it creates that disconnect with ourselves and, and with others. Yeah. 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 So talk to me a little bit about um, the whole nice guys thing, because I, you know, there, there's so many uh, men that strive for that from such a, a beautiful place. Like it's, mm. it's coming from such a pure place <clears throat> and it ends up making them miserable. And mm. so let's kind of break that down a little bit as to why it ends up making them miserable why it maybe doesn't work in their romantic lives or their everyday mm. lives in general. And how, how do you start to change the conversation there? Yeah. So, and, and, you know, like language is so important, right. And I suppose the first thing is really to, to distinguish what we mean by that. Right. Because yes. it, it could be uh, easily seen perhaps and confused that, you know, to, to be a nice guy, is, is, a, is a great thing and it is but you know what we kind of mean is like quote unquote nice guy the guy who is nice because fundamentally what is driving the behaviors by and large is that I need to be seen as the nice guy I need people to like me and approve of me and make me feel like I am valued and important then I can feel okay about myself and so primarily a lot of certainly not all, and this will obviously vary guy to guy, a lot of the, the motivation behind the actions of being the nice guy uh, is, you know, coming from that needy, like really lacking um, self-worth and and like a grounded identity within himself uh, place. And so it's by and large perception management. I am trying to manage your perception of me to avoid taking a hit to my self-esteem because I already feel like that's low and I need you to boost my self-esteem, right? And so all of this is an absolute shitstorm of like inner transactions and, you know, fear and thinking about what other people think of me. And it's like, you know, the picture of in your head, all these plates are spinning and you continually having to run around and make sure they keep spinning, spinning, spinning. And as soon as you stop, oh, they're going to fucking shatter or at least that's the psyche. Now I say that as someone who's both worked with many men in the space and you know, very much have my hand up as, as a recovering nice guy as well. And so that perception management, again, speaks to this idea of who I think I need to be, right? And so often it's created through this idea of, well, this is who you need to be. A man is X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, you know, and he's successful and whatever that, you know, it is for the individual. In part, we're learning along the way there that if this is what, you know, the ideal successful male is, and you're not that, then you aren't man enough you aren't that and so we start to create this idea that you know i'm not good enough and and generally that sits at the base of any kind of nice guy um identity and so i go out into the world trying to achieve and accomplish things and get people to to reassure me that i am and so like that is in essence a form of manipulation mm -hmm. and you know you can sit for a moment if certainly if you resonate with that and probably connect to the feeling that it's that's not nice it's not nice it's a not nice feeling to to have to keep doing right if you go back to the idea of the plate spinning 
but also manipulating someone's perception of you so that they like you is not a nice thing to do. I think it's always going to leave you feeling misunderstood because you'll, mm. you will internally know that you are essentially projecting an, an image, even if you're not fully conscious of it, there is a, a portion of you that, that knows. And it's like, mm. you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting to be found out somehow. Yeah. And so then, you know, which is basically the, the, the major generator of that mode of being, right. Is fear. I'm terrified of being truly seen, but I want people to see me. Yes. Or at least what I'm saying is I want them to see the curated version of me because I'm terrified of the rest of me being seen. And so that we're never really going to feel at ease. Um, that's, a, that's a hard gig to keep up, right? And so, you know, what kind of um, keeps playing out here is a set of actions that are driven externally. And, you know, the term that is often used in and around the, the idea of the nice guy is a term called covert contract, which is essentially I have... I am doing this, you know, I'm saying yes to, to coming on your podcast, Emily, even though I really fucking don't want to, and I've got no time, you know, because hopefully then there's another person that will like me and maybe she'll talk about me in a good light or something. Right. And, and so what I've done is I've said yes. And then there's a condition on that that I haven't told you about. I mean, that is not a nice thing to do. Right. And it's certainly nothing that can ever work uh, in terms of giving me in that sense, um, you know, what I'm hoping for. And so, that is, you know, I liken it to the analogy of like when you pour, like let's say, flour into a sieve, right? It might sit there for a, a while or a moment, and then the thing's full of holes, it falls through, right? And when, when my self-worth is predicated on everyone filling it up for me, um, it, never gets any, it never gets us anywhere. And that is, you know, essentially the, the, the MO of the nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I actually noticed that the last post that you happened to put up, I was already going to be talking to you about this, but the last post that you put up was the difference between good guy or uh, nice guys and good men. Mm. So this I think is, is a really beautiful way to frame it because for anyone out there who's listening, they're like, okay, so I shouldn't be a nice guy. Who the fuck am I supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. Let, right. Let's break that down a little bit in terms of like the difference between the two. And then if, if you're trying to break down that, that nice guy portion of you and some of these covert contracts, that you're that you're making potentially with yourself as much as you are with the outside world or the person you're in a relationship with or whatever that looks like how do you start to shift that into or towards the the good men aspect instead yeah and so that's i suppose you know one of the things coming back to the earlier point that it's often a point of confusion for for um maybe guys that sit square in this place what i'm, supp I'm not supposed to be nice now and, and this is a real challenge for a lot of men like across everything you know the masculine is, is very detailed and we like you know black and white and that's not just me of course but for a lot of men who are primarily in their masculine you know we're wanting details i want details and then i can apply myself to that right and so that often happens through life we're very black or white we we search for black and white and we go to all or nothing and i, I think it plays out in so many um so many ways but for nice guys a really common one is this so so what if i'm not nice i have to be an asshole yeah like it's not. one extreme or the other. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that's the other end of the spectrum. That's ludicrous. <laughs> right. Um, but, but that's often the, the, the thing that, that a lot of nice guys get stuck on. And so, so then in that is like, so I'm not supposed to be nice now. Like, yes, but the intention behind it is fucking everything. And, you know, into the, the term, you know, as, as I've said, nice guys aren't good men. Um, here's something that I think is true for, for probably every, but most, you know, 
guys who would fall into that category of nice guy. You are a nice dude. I would say a lot of what you do is like genuinely nice. But if you resonate with a lot of the staff, then some of, however much is, is up to you to really be honest with yourself about, is driven by those kinds of intentions, right? The being like the approval, um, needing other people to prop up your self-worth, which, and I use that language, you know, to, to make it sound like it is. Like you, you're really relying on other people to do your heavy lifting. That's, that's not on. And so it's very externally driven, right? Versus, you know, what I tend to term as a good man, a good man is more internally focused in terms of like who he wants to be, how he wants to be in the world. And it very much is predicated on value system, uh, integrity, and creating my own sense of security. Whereas the, the nice guy is like his, his insecurities are manifest in the world as that niceness and that perception management, uh, like I was talking about. So the shift, you know, there's lots of things on the surface, like um, you know, for example, stop running a kind of transaction. If someone gives you a compliment, you don't need to give them a compliment back. Accept it and say thank you, right? But there's all simple strategy stuff we can do like that. But more importantly, it really comes back to the foundations. Like yeah. what, what is your fundamental belief about yourself and the major fear running a lot of your life? And I would suspect a lot of that comes back to that worthiness, being good enough and being terrified that people might find you out, you know, as you said, um, you know, that you're not, good enough that you're not lovable whatever it is so the work to shift is, is always going to come back to that foundation of building security uh and self and you know part of that might be really challenging but also looking at like the motivations right because it's very easy to come in with a bunch of strategies but the strategy is only as solid as the foundation that, that it's built upon right and so the work really for me is to become secure in themselves this isn't the same as not needing people and like becoming a hermit who who switches off from society and going well fuck it you know i'm i'm absolutely totally independent that's the other end of the spectrum again right we get to be humans in relationship and, and have a connection with others but um first of all we're grounded in a place of of calm self-respect and um self-assuredness as opposed to needing other people to continue you know reassure me that i am wanted that i am important that i am valued that i am liked approvable uh, etc and and a lot of this can really be sourced from women i feel like if we're speaking in terms mm. of the heterosexual dynamic Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times that, and this, this can absolutely obviously go the other way too, like, like women sourcing their sense of self-worth from, from mm. men too. But in, for the context of this particular conversation, if, if there are uh, men out there who are, you know, playing the nice guy role and they're sourcing a lot of their self-worth and, mm. and worthiness, and even maybe outsourcing some of their emotional well-being um by relying on women to provide it for them yeah. or to fix it for yeah. them yes you're laughing because you're know, like we we know this like this is so true right this happens all the time <laughs> yeah and, and i laugh also because i've been there right like i, I really yeah, want to stress totally. that absolutely and i've been there on the other side of it too like i'm mm. like yeah so how <laughs> do we even start to change this because i get asked mm. questions like this too you know like how do i how do I start to increase my, my self-worth? And like, mm. it's a fucking big question. Cause it doesn't happen <laughs> just like that. Like, it's like, Oh, okay. Where do I even start? But do you have sort of some foundational pieces that you really sort of dig into or like layers that you peel back with people to start to explore some of that? And again, obviously it's going to mm. vary by individual, but yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, and, and you know, to the point um, that you made, like it's again, it, 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 we can throw some blanket statements, but you know, obviously, there's a lot of nuance in the stuff, and I and I hope of that course. we can um, <laughs> really get to that, right? But <laughs> yeah, for a lot of nice guys, um, there is often a, a a I think like a genesis around, but then a manifestation of that seeking approval from the feminine. And so again, that's not necessarily woman per se, but a lot of the time it, it manifests in that way, you know, and, and if I look back at my own experience, right, like I grew up as the youngest of three kids, I had two older sisters, and, you know, uh, parents that were together until my mum passed away about 10 years ago, right, so as an, as an adult. And so every dynamic is going to be different for, for me. I had a loving, wonderful environment, but also I was the golden boy of these doting older sisters and mother, right? And so I learned the mode of, you know, getting that praise from the feminine in my world. Um, and part of that's not a bad thing, right? But it can have some ineffective uh, results, let's say. Part of that for me, which I do know to be true for a lot of guys, is uh, I didn't necessarily learn fully how to like prop up myself. You know, like if I ever got in trouble from my mother when I was super young, I'd run to my older sister and, and, and she would dote on me. And she was fucking five years older than me. She's still a child. You know, she doesn't know how to navigate this, but that, is, that was a result, right? That's what happened. And so there's often that that learned behavior of, um, on, on top of that lack of, you know, sense of self, self-worth of, well, the feminine can prop it up for me, right? And it's safe there and what often coincides with that for a lot of nice guys is being fundamentally terrified of the strength of integrity and challenge and accountability and respect from the masculine and so you know what we might find for a lot of nice guys is one they um have no female friends but they tend to uh they tend to chase women for that gratification and so they have a lot of male friends but no depth, no strength, all surface level, all flimsy, all, all, all similar. Or, you know, they have very few male friends, certainly of depth, again, and, and strength of character and integrity, and a lot of female friends because it's safe there, right? And it just placates as a little storm of, of um, kind of reinforcing the same shit. So chasing the approval of the feminine, I think, is very common. But again, it can also be the feminine and men, for sure. So where do we go? Like, that's the question. Right. And so I think, Emily, like for me and you, again, you'll probably have, you know, a lot of your own um, approaches and, and so on. But I think like a lot of this always comes back to self-acceptance. And, and I feel like that's an easier place to start because what we can start to look at when we look at that word is well, where am I not accepting myself? What do I, what do I hide in, in the dark? What am I afraid of being seen? Right. And even though that can be very challenging to explore, certainly one of the things that's playing out for you know, a lot of people anyway, but in this context of the nice guy is, you know, this idea of safety. Like I'm terrified of being seen and terrified of rejection and, and all this kind of stuff. And so I don't feel safe. When we can, you know, bring men into an environment where they do feel safe to explore and, and, and ask questions and get curious and maybe lift the hood and look under, you know, what might be there for them, we can actually start to pragmatically like get into some work and go, okay, so what is it about that that you're so terrified of? And what do you think it would look like for you, you know, to actually accept yourself? And all of a sudden that, because the idea of like self-worth, you know, I remember having a conversation with many men, but this is one 
years back, man, this must be like eight years ago. It was someone that was like one of the first guys, what I have a group coaching program now. It's called the Everyday Legends Academy. And, and that's evolved. And its earliest iteration was like a one-on-one coaching, right? This is how I formed the content and all this kind of stuff. It was one of the first guys who who came into it. And he's now still in my, you know, my mastermind community and this kind of stuff. It's beautiful. And it shows that this work continues. But I remember having the conversation. It was so clear for me, right? Like, this guy has fucking zero self-worth. Holy shit, his whole life is externally based. You know, people are propping him up. And having the conversation with him around the idea of self-worth, and he was just like, huh, what? How do those words go together, self and worth? Don't other people let me know of my worth? <laughs> you know, it was so blind for him. So yeah. okay, I was like, uh, well, that wasn't the conversation. Whereas in terms of like acceptance, it was a much easier conversation to venture into. And it is absolutely what we need. Like, you know, self-worth really, I think, is predicated on the acceptance of oneself. Of course, the nice guy is living his life for the acceptance of others. So uh, I think that's the place to start. I think that's an easier thing to venture into. And we can start to, like, be a little bit more like, oh, yeah, well, you know, like this thing or that thing or whatever. And then we can start to explore, again, what that, what that might look like to have acceptance for that. Whilst also... Um, knowing and, and maybe giving ourselves permission that we get to be a work in progress. That's, that's beautiful, especially about, about being able to, to be a work in progress and that that's okay. Mm. And that that's human. And I, I do really love the, the acceptance piece as well, because when we start to look at the, when we jump straight to the self-worth piece, it, it becomes more about what don't I have right now that I need to change. Whereas mm. the acceptance part is, okay, I am this way and that's Okay. And then just mm. to progress and grow from there. I, I think that that's absolutely like a far better, a far better way to start. And Mike, yeah, because the worth piece is often conditional, right? When I get to X, when yeah. I achieve Y, and again, the masculine is very achievement based. So it's like when I do that, when I get that job, when I do that, then I can, right? And so it's like, well, yes, maybe. But first of all, let's look at, you know, yeah, the other side of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And you had mentioned, um, before we jumped on you, you mentioned your little guy, which I, I, I thought was so cute. And I, I wanted to ask you about that because, and I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting you on a pedestal as like the, the be all end all of like the guy to raise good men. So don't worry. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not putting you on a pedestal at all, but I would love to get your take on this, especially doing the work that you do fatherhood is is a huge part of this conversation like for for men and women alike across mm. the globe how how do we raise good men again i'm throwing mm. some big questions at no, you here, yeah, but like... <laughs> absolutely so okay so so first of all so so it's clear so i have a, I have a young daughter and she's just over one um, oh, it's your daughter. I'm so sorry. I missed yeah, it up. No, that's fine. <laughs> but it, the, the question is just as important and just yes, as valid. Of course. And, yeah. and it's also, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, as I don't know, everyone else's experience, right? But, you know, my wife got pregnant. And then at some point, you're going to find out, regardless of when that is, you're going to, you're going to find out um, what sex the, the baby is. And yeah, maybe historically and maybe in this work, you know, there's this desire for a, a lot of men. Maybe they're still healing their own, you know, kind of childhood shit that they want to have a boy right and and part of me may might have had that idea of like oh you know it'd be great to be able to like give what i know to this boy but like what the fuck that's my own ego right there um i, I have a daughter and it's amazing and absolutely stuff that i know is very fucking important and in, in how i bring her up right because she, i am her model primarily uh for for you know what a man is essentially so yeah, I mean, how do we raise 
could mean is whew, i mean it's complex it's a it's a beautiful question and you know honestly i wish it was a question that we were talking about more yeah right and, and then of course when we come back to the idea, uh, you know, I, I said before, language is important. And, you know, nice guys aren't good men. At the same time, the word nice, fuck it, that's nothing, right? <laughs> you know, it doesn't say much, but then neither does good. You know, when of you course, ask someone, yeah. how are you? And they say good, it doesn't fucking say anything. So <laughs> I tend not to use good that much. But in the context of that, I think it speaks to, to a little bit. Yeah, just so, to differentiate. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's where I would actually expand out the question and go, how do we raise secure, grounded, and self-respecting and socially responsible men. That's far better way of putting it. Yes. And then, and, and, and the reason I'm doing that for my own process is because, because that's how I start to answer the question, right? So, so, ah, now, now we've got some, some categories and some things to, to work with. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, the other word I think that comes in there and, and I, I use it, but not necessarily perhaps so much in the men that I work with is mature. Like, how do we raise mature men? Well, I mean, it's not really a relevant question to a six-year-old, but it's, it's where are we taking him? Right. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of uh, men today, you know, through very little fault of their own, because they are the result of parents who were the result of their parents and, you know, so on, so on and so forth, are stuck in a, a more adolescent psychology. And, and so, um, you know, saying mature men isn't a judgment, it's more an observation and an assessment of where we have got to in terms of our psychological development. And that's often why we, you know, seek achievements and things like, um, money and, and material possessions and relationships and validation and you know achievements and so on external to us so that we can prop up the sense of security and you know potentially a lack of power within therefore i seek power you know without from out from uh, from outside of me that's where a lot of shit goes wrong you know on an individual level in relationships you know in companies and governments all that kind of stuff so for me it kind of comes back to to that how do we how do we raise men who who are in that space? And I think, um, can I get back to you? No, I think <laughs> um, you know, there's obviously a lot to that, right? I, I think it comes back to you know the home, and who are each young boy who are his role models, and what are they modelling? And then also what is being modeled, because of course, like the raising of any individual, you know, if it's a boy is not just about what is the, the man and men in his life like, it's obviously also the woman, speak to my own example before, right? So it involves, you know, and there's something that I, I, I love from, I think it's from um, a guy called Francis Weller, where he talks about, um, you know, we, we talk about the, the, it takes a village, yeah. to raise a child right which i think is man now that i have a child is, is so uh, wildly accurate you know one of the reasons that i'm in new zealand my wife and i are both from here but we normally live in australia is because with covid all of a sudden none of our families could could visit and, and one we wanted that obviously hey come and see our baby but because we we needed that village and some level um around us but the extension of that from francis weller is that two adults two parents alone cannot meet the needs of a growing child and you know the idea of that is not to be a cop-out but to show what we need around us to build up and to create any kind of quote-unquote good human right and so that obviously extends 
when it comes to men. Um, you know, as a, as a parent, I think the the role is incredibly important. But obviously, who else is around in terms of grandparents and friends and aunties and uncles? Uh, and then obviously, when we get a little bit older, you know, like what other men as mentors and and other kinds of father figures uh, around who are um, modeling, you know, those those words that I spoke to: security and socially responsible, maturity, etc. But also in, in sense of a diversity. Because no human is the same as the next, right? And so, you know, trying to have 10 guys who are all identical um, around doesn't, doesn't provide much scope for how do I fit. Uh, and so I think there's, there is a real need for having a, a different set of, of models for, you know, fundamentally for manhood as well. And honestly, I think that's so important, like, no matter what age you are. No matter what age, whether you, and no matter how you identify as well. I mean, ultimately, I think that's mm. so important for all of us to be able to have that diversity and not rely on just like one or two people in our lives to try and meet all of our needs. That's how we get into issues in relationships because mm. we look to the other person to be our everything, <laughs> like mm. our entire world. And it's way mm. too much pressure for anyone. <laughs> and then the relationship ends up running into issues inevitably because that's just not doable that that's not mm, manageable big ask. anyone yeah that's that's that can't work that way at all it's it's not going to be able to to be sustainable mike yeah and you know but also at the same time right if you've, if you've seen that growing up that you know like yes. for example my parents were, were somewhat um, insular in terms of their relationship i suppose and so you know you form beliefs about what we see right and you know like i didn't really have a belief or i certainly formed some idea that like okay so adult mean they don't really have close friendships is that is that what it is? You know, and certainly as a young teenager, it is like such a foreign idea. Like how the <laughs> fuck could that ever happen? Right. Well, I, I know how it can happen, of course, but, um, but we, we can see this stuff modeled and, and that was in a, you know, a, a, a parent relationship that was together and loving, et cetera. And there's so many differences in, in, in parent makeup that it's, it's co-parenting, it's single parents. And again, a lot of that can simply reinforce that, you know, two people, but they're, therefore when it comes to relationships, one person is responsible to, to meet all your needs. That, that, that's a pretty tough expectation. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, totally agree. You know, it's, Funny, um, I've become friends friends with uh, Trevor Baum, mm -hmm. and then I also had Jeremy Goldberg on the podcast, and both of them separately brought this up, and I was like, they, something that you had said, and I was like, okay, I got to ask Mike about this because it uh, keeps okay. coming up on the <laughs> podcast, and some apparently you were running a workshop with Jeremy in in Oz, and uh, a woman asked basically, how do uh, <laughs> how, how do you get the, you already know what I'm going to ask? How do you get a man? essentially to change, you know, how do you get him into this work? How do you get him to start doing these types of things? Mm. And Mike, your answer was. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> See, I know that because Jeremy reminds me of it. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, clearly it imprinted on Jeremy because he's still yeah. talking about it. <laughs> my first, my initial answer was, look, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, because of course you can't get anyone or make anyone do anything. That's a, a pretty frustrating and futile endeavor. Yeah. That's how I started it. <laughs> and, and I think that like, we, we need to, to hear that because like what, one of the things that, that you do is you, you not only coach men, you, you teach women basically how to understand men better. And so what are some of the, the ways that, uh, that the feminine can show up 
in ways that are more supportive um, or at least more understanding of the masculine. Mm. Yeah. So I suppose, you know, that the, um, it will obviously depend on the dynamic and, and, you know, there's, there's always going to be nuance in, in each individual situation, but yeah, you know, the first thing is, is looking at that dynamic, you know, I suppose of, of the masculine and the feminine and, and, and therefore the, the 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 makeup the makeup the balance of um in the individuals in a partnership right because obviously it's not necessarily in a relationship um but the masculine by default you know by nature is direction setting it is is stepping forward and and leaning and uh, leaning forward and, and leading um Again, that could be anyone in a relationship, but in a let's say kind of typical heteronormative um, relationship, the masculine has that role amongst many other things. And so, if the feminine comes in and tries to lead, even though the, this dude might be fucking wildly inept and inadequate and ineffective at how he goes about things, um, you know, it, 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 he might have a very narrow ver- he might have zero access to his feminine and a very very you know narrow access to his masculine and stuck in an adolescent place, generally speaking, isn't going to be that open to suggestion and, you know, direction, his directions having being set for him. It might show up in, in effective ways of like, hey, babe, what should we eat tonight? And he's like, oh, whatever you want. You know, like he wants her to make the decision. It's a bit of a red-ish looking flag. But <laughs> when it comes to, you know, being told what to do and, and doing work and so on, it kind of rubs up against the masculine um, and, and just ends up being not the most effective um, strategy. So uh, the fundamental answer really is, one, you can't get him to change or make him to change, but what you can potentially do is invite him forward into something where he can take that step himself. And so the invitation, I think, is is really crucial. And that's... Um, can have support around it, right? And so one of the words we spoke about earlier earlier is safety. Like what 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 can I do potentially to make it safe for him to step forward into some work or into therapy or like whatever the, the conversation is, right? And so obviously, um, hopefully it's obvious that will really depend on on the relationship and the context. But the invitation is 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 really the main thing. So it could be, you know, let's use this for example. Holy shit. This is making so much sense. Like, I want my guy to get into this. I love this this podcast. So, you know, you go and you have a conversation with, you know, Steve, let's say, and you say like, you know, hey, babe, da, 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 whatever, how was your day? You know, I listened to this podcast. You know, I listened to this chick email. She's so great. You know what? She had this guy on today, Mike, and, you know, he was just wonderful. Oh, my God. I could know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he was saying some really interesting things. I found it so interesting. I was really learning a lot actually about men. It, it, it helped me to understand men and, you know, in part you a lot more. And I feel like it's something I would love to be able to talk to you about. We could explore this and see what sense we can make of it so I can, you know, better support you and, and show up for you. And, you know, I, I, so insert somewhere in here something that you appreciate about him. The masculine loves to be appreciated. And so that could be like, you know, in the past when you've, um, taken on a recommendation podcast of mine. I find that so blah, 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 fill in the blank. Um, and so 
let me know if you'd love to listen to this podcast. I can send it through, like, you know, as a simple example. There's an invitation there. He might say no. He fucking always says no, right? But maybe that, cool. How can I go back and revisit my invitation? But the idea is there's an invitation that he can, you can step back and he can step into. Again, many different contexts um, might play out, but that's kind of the idea. And hopefully you're getting that the insertion of some uh, kind of appreciation isn't um, intended to be manipulation, the, the intention here is that it's genuine um, and knowing that the masculine responds very well to being appreciated in a simple sense. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I love it when you step into things that you feel a bit uncomfortable about. I find that so admirable. That'll pump his tires up. Even if he might be really awkward in hearing it in that moment, right? Because um, fundamentally as men, certainly in the, in the heteronormative sense, but, you know, in the sense of the masculine and the feminine, um, we just want you to be happy and safe and comfortable. Like we really do. And we'll go out of our way to do it. And what we want essentially is to be appreciated for it, which I think is an important distinction between needing the validation and constant reassurance of someone simply being, you know, appreciated. Like that, that is fuel for me in my relationship when, when my wife points out what she appreciates for me, but it's not conditional on me showing up for her. So that I think is really important uh, along with the idea of the invitation. I love both of those. Those are really powerful. And I have to ask how much of your day do you spend role-playing situations like this and having to come up with like scenarios to use as examples? <laughs> right. I've given plenty of examples, but you know, like it, it's, it's generally, you know, somewhat, um, I mean, it can be obviously complex, but hopefully we can, we can yeah. simplify it. We can simplify <laughs> it a little bit. Um, really coming down to that. Yeah. yeah. This is what I appreciate about you. This is what I would like your support with. And also, you know, you see him really like, how do we, how do we support him essentially in that? And um, that that's a great question. And also a way to look at it, because again, it, like speaking to the point that I made there, that we generally want you to be happy and healthy and safe in the world. Sometimes we've got some like really messed up ideas and like set of conditions and conditioning that we've been through that, that make that look like, you know, wildly ineffective from being like controlling to working all hours of the day. Right. Because we're wanting things to be safe and we're wanting to provide like it's often still coming from the same like animal brain um, center. But one of the things that you can often ask your partner to do, ladies, um, is ask for his support. I would appreciate your support in this. Could you support me with this? Because guess what we want to do by and large on some um, biological level is that we want to problem solve. And if you give me a problem to solve and you make it easy for me, not, no, no guesswork, this is a problem that you could solve for me. It's like, all right, fucking roll my sleeves up and, and I'll dive in, right? So again, it's, it's often about, and, and this is, I think, as you spoke to, one of the important sides of anything, you know, man, a, a lot of the language around men and women these days uh, on a broader level is um, an us versus them situation which is ha happens in, in in many different things um and that doesn't work <laughs> you know we need we need two-way empathy and what that essentially says is how can i understand the other person from their point of reference and so one of the things that i've often uh, had in dialogue with 
women on an individual conversation or in DMs or, you know, if I've perhaps maybe given guest lectures and so on, is um, I will invite women to understand him, men, them, um, based on his set of life experiences. All that stuff that we spoke about, you know, at the top of the show in terms of what he might have um, heard and had in his face and his existence from from the get-go in terms of having to be superhuman. Oh, God, I've never thought about how hard that could be. It's like instantly that opens up a totally different avenue for relating and communicating. Yeah. It's very easy to make someone else a bad guy. That doesn't get oh, us anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't change anything. Yeah, but it's no. that, that empathy and compassion that shifts everything. When, when you can turn things around and look at it more through that lens, it completely mm. changes your perspective on another human being. Mm. Yeah, and so therefore we can hopefully, you know, step towards something and perhaps work on it together. And so again, that's where that support thing can come in. Like maybe how I can support him is by playing to that need of his to support and problem solve. And so I'll, I'll just kind of crowbar that in there, right? Uh, yeah. I love that you mentioned that about, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just a few things, <laughs> but I love that you're mentioning um, problem solving too, because as I'm sure you would know, and for anyone listening, the, the Gottman Institute talks about, uh, you know, they're the foundational, they have, they've done a lot of the foundational work in relationships and research and stuff. And they've talked a lot about how important it is to accept influence from your partner. And that's, mm. that's a version of accepting influence from your partner. And, and it's really beautiful mm. because we all want to feel like we are someone important in our partner's lives and in their, mm. in their decision-making. And that's, that's a really big part of it. You know, if you're, if you're like a boss all the time, great. But if you never even ask your partner's opinion, that actually can feel like, you know, just very sort of off-putting and as though your your opinion isn't valuable at all and mm. that your perspective isn't valuable and then that can be really easy to internalize too yeah and you know what that also offers is like potentially a look at how we might just be writing totally different stories yes you know yep. i like i like to be consulted I, I like to be able to support your input oh but i never ask you because you're so busy and i don't want to disturb you and burden you and it's like you know we're too trains running in, in in parallel in the darkness maybe we just need to communicate this stuff absolutely yeah 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 that communication piece i mean i feel like so much so much about relationships comes back to communication <laughs> yes <laughs> is absolutely. there anything else mike that you feel i mean we could talk all day obviously but is there anything else that's like really top of mind for you like based on what we've sort of covered today that you feel like is particularly relevant and like really important for people to to take note of uh, well, like I suppose coming back to maybe a theme of what we've discussed is, is looking at, um, yeah, maybe some of the, the foundational insecurities that might be, you know, running a lot of men's lives. Um, and part of my invitation <laughs> is certainly if you're a, a guy hearing this, and potentially if you're, you know, someone who's in relationship with a guy hearing this and there is maybe a tendency to or a desire to, you know, quick fix and, and find solutions and listen to the next podcast and hopefully that'll give you the thing, um, is if you think about a foundation, if a foundation is on something insecure, it's fucking wobbly. 
that shit's ready to fall over at any moment, right? And then you balance plates on it. Oh God, I can keep going with the analogy. So the work always has to come back to that, that secure base. And so, you know, if you're a nice guy, listen to this. Um, if you're someone who struggles to receive feedback or requests for support from your partner, you know, or you just want him to bloody change or, or whatever it is, then maybe let's, you know, create an environment of safety, find someone who you can feel safe with and explore that stuff that, uh, does sit deeper that is rooted to everything um and and so we can really start to build from the bottom up because that stuff is you know fundamentally it's running the show and you know if we keep trying to to make the roof and and all the flashings on the house um pretty but we we still have that um unstable foundation that's just going to continue oh it's beautiful thank you so much mike Tell us, I mean, tell everybody where they can find you. And I'd love uh, to direct people towards the course that you have for men as well, but the, the Better better Partner Project, I believe. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that too. <laughs> yeah, so, you, I mean, you can find me, you know, on, on Instagram is, is where I um, post a, a chunk of my stuff. And on there is, you know, I have a daily text message service and my email list and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, Mike Campbell, MC. And then, yeah, I have a few courses, one called the Better Partner Project, which is really uh, kind of a crash course in relationships for men and you know it's it's um certainly for people in relationships but also you know for guys who aren't or maybe we have a lot of guys who've just been uh in and, and now out of a relationship going what the fuck just happened i don't want that to happen again which is a completely valid um reason to dive into something but fundamentally it's about first of all understanding you you know, your relationship with yourself is what will determine every relationship you have. And so the, the course um, is really starting to understand you and, and how and why you show up in relationships and what you want in relationships. So then we can start to understand the dynamics of relationships, uh, communication in relationships, and so that we can actually start to you know, get on the same page as our partners and create true partnerships and, and um, relationships that I think feel easy. You know, I, I think that's something that we get to actually aim for. Relationships are never going to be free of conflict or, or challenge, absolutely, but they can have an ease to them when when both partners are on the same page. And, and that's, for me, really what the work is about. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So, and I just have one last question for you. If you could offer people one piece of advice onto growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? Face your shit. Oh, I like that answer. <laughs> There's just the no getting away from it. There's just no getting away from it. You know, you can gloss it up as much as you want, but whatever sits in the in the darkness, whatever you've hidden away and tried to avoid, um, you, you can't build a better life uh, by simply polishing a turd. You know, you, you got to get in there and deal with it. And so we all have shit. And this is, I think, one thing that a lot of men struggle to, to come to terms with. You know, they see a bunch of dudes who look like they have it together, uh, but everyone's struggling with some shit. And until we can really explore that, understand it, make sense of it, um, and move past it, it's, it's going to keep pulling the strings. So got to face it. Yeah. Yeah. What a great answer. Mike, this has just been a pleasure. I will make sure to reference everything in the show notes and list all the places to find you, connect with you, grab your course, all the things. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. <laughs> a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Emily. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me, and I'm so grateful. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review, and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.